Hello everyone, it's Roger back again with Snare Trap Surviving Hanging Outdoors. This is March the 24th, 2020, and coronavirus is continuing to affect the United States of America. And I've got a special podcast that I want to do tonight, and this podcast and article, it's also an article on the webpage if you want to go uh, check it out there on the art, on our website at snare-trap-dash survive.com uh, this podcast and article comes uh, in part due to one that I recently heard I cannot recall the author's name but if the author hears this or reads the article they can reach out to me and I'll be glad to link to them because their podcast shed light on something of great importance and some of those points uh, we have expanded upon and um if they see this, they can reach out to us. I'll be glad to link to them. And you're listening to Snare Trap Survive and Hemming Outdoors podcast. We'll be right back after these messages. You may not be a prepper now, but you will be. Whether the next disaster is man-made or wrought by Mother Nature, you need a plan. Wise Food Storage Emergency Gourmet Meals are made in the USA, delicious, easy to prepare, just add water, and packaged and proportioned perfectly, eliminating waste and creating a shelf life of up to 25 years. Wise Company Survival Foods. Find them now at Snare Trap Survive. www.snare-trap-survive.com got going for tonight. With the coronavirus spreading and encompassing the entire globe and possibly killing thousands more, it's cause for alarm, great alarm. And not only do we face the coronavirus, but we face the fanatic leaders in other nations. We face terrorist cells, natural disasters, our own population panicking, and the local uh, unrest that is most likely to follow. You see, our world right now is a hotbed of possible shit-hit-the-fan scenarios, and we encounter those every single day, and they number in the thousands, if not the hundreds of thousands. The first real crisis that we had proven has proven that a lot of things are out of place for many Americans when it comes to prepping. And today uh, we will discuss some of those things that I feel is very important, uh, something that a lot of people have touched on, but it's not really been discussed in depth. And that's something that all of us are well aware of as human beings. But unfortunately, it's something that most people cannot control, and that is fear. As the original author of the podcast I heard stated, fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering, and suffering leads to death. Uh, and it goes into, this plays into a lot of the stages that I've talked about on previous podcasts. The stage apathy, realization, fear, panic, 
and then chaos. That is the stages that you go through in any crisis. And um, th there's a couple of things here we want to give definitions. Uh, so pay close attention to these. Fear-mongering or scare-mongering, the spraying of uh, frightening or exaggerated rumors or impending danger. Uh, the habit of uh, purposely and mindlessly arousing public fear about an issue. And then there's the apathy. Apathy, which is the lack of interest and enthusiasm for or concern for something that may be important. You see, the fear monger will make a mountain out of a molehill, and the apathetic will make a molehill out of a mountain. But both of those are equally dangerous. We as preppers have to fall in between those two in order to ensure our survival. We have to understand the concern while not downplaying it to a point that we're not prepared. And at the same time, we must also not give in to fear because then we'll over-prep or panic buy as we have been seeing. Now, I've said before plenty of times, a problem that's going on right now today is not coronavirus itself. The problem is those two extremes, the apathy of the public and the lack of concern, and then the fear and panic buying. Um, because once that apathy turns into fear, then it's all-out panic at that point. You see, the author that I listened to and really made a good point that drove this home, and I've always said it before, is if you're resolved in the beginning, you will not be perplexed. And in other words, they were saying if you're aware and prepared in advance, then there's no need for confusion about what you should be concerned about. In scenarios like this, usually the only people who panic are those people who made no preparations at all. Basically, it does not matter if what's happening has been exaggerated or is downplayed. It doesn't matter if this virus is fake, real, serious, or not so serious. What matters is that you have to come to the realization that it can be real and you have to be prepared. Now the question I pose to many people is, are you prepared for such a thing after having so many close calls, hurricanes, uh, floods, the uh, tornadoes? Earthquakes, so many close calls. Um, everybody has had plenty of chances to wake up and to prepare. And I'm, what I'm seeing right now is they did not heed any of those warnings. So let's really dig into this topic because there's a few things I want to point out with today's means of survival as we know it or as we think we know it. I want to ask some basic questions here. What are the things you think you would need in order to prepare for something that could take out 
a great portion of the human population. Now, the first thing to understand is that fear that we were talking about. Before you even begin into, into preparing, you need to understand that fear. Fear, in most cases, is the enemy. And the first thing you want to prepare in any event is your mind. You want to prepare it by absorbing knowledge, as much knowledge as you possibly can, because that is key to survival. Gather knowledge about every possible prep, because, quite frankly, you really have no idea what you're going to face, and you have no idea if you're even going to use any of the supplies that you've gathered. You need to know if the situation is going to require you to leave your home or require you to be shut in, as we are right now. Many of us are under quarantine. In some cases, if you are away from your home and something happens, is there any assurance that you're going to be able to get back to your home? Do you have supplies with you at that point to make it until you do get back home? At the end of the day, no matter what the scenario is, only the best survivors will survive whether they have prepping supplies or not. Those who don't have the supplies are most likely going to fail. Now when preparing your mind, I know it's a very difficult thing for most people to do. I don't know if you believe in God or what, but one of the main things you need to come to grips with is death. And um, if you cannot come to grips with the fact that you may die, um, then you've lost the game at that point. If you cannot cope with that reality, it's going to cause you to make a major mistake that will inevitably end in your death no matter what. Welcome to the Food Storage Final Four. Name something your company regularly tests for. Oxygen content, packaging, moisture, and ingredient quality. Okay, Legacy Premium is on the board. Now, who's GMO-free? Oh, I know that one. Can't ship in two to five days. Has no MSG, has no artificial flavors, has sold the most food storage in the past year. Actually, that would be me. We're new. Legacy Premium, revolutionizing food storage for you. There are two, two main things to focus on, and the most important in an actual event is that people will simply lose it. They will not be mentally prepared or spiritually prepared and other people around them will suffer as a result. I understand that most people today are not into prepping and not really because they don't want to. Most people that I know would love to have an ample supply of food, water, first aid supplies, all the proper supplies that they need, but they don't because all of those things cost money. And I'm in the same boat sometimes shorter on money, so I have to just make do with what I've got. Uh, but that's not an excuse to not prep at all. Um, but it is a reason why most people don't come anywhere close to being a prepper. 
It's simply because of the money. But again, as I said, that's not an excuse to not prep at all. With all the different companies and supplies out there, many of which are starting to run really low at this point due to coronavirus, uh, and all the information that's out there on prepping, I'd like to go over a few things that can help you get into the mind frame of prepping responsibly and properly. And it doesn't necessarily require a lot of spending to do so. And I'm going over these, so most people, I've had a lot of people contact me asking me what to do because they know I'm involved in the prepper communities. They've been asking me what should they do. So I want to help out so that maybe they don't make the common mistakes that many people have made in the past. So first things first, uh, because of what's happening today, um, advanced prepping supplies, as I said, are in a very, very limited quantity. Wise Company Foods, uh, their orders are as far out as July, and they've now started requiring people to make $5,000 minimum order purchases. So that cut a lot of the little guys like me out. Now, Legacy Foods is still running, and they don't have that minimum order that I know of, but they're as far out as July as well. So, if you I've said this in other podcasts, if you waited to this point to get your supplies, you've waited too long. You should have been doing this six months ago. And now when we make it through this, the question is, have you learned a lesson? Are you going to start buying up at that point when these supplies become available again? Um, you need to pound that into your head that you have to have this stuff on hand before an event happens. Or you're going to be in a situation like you're seeing right now. You're going to see stores wiped out. You're going to see people panic buying, you're going to see companies not able to keep up with the supplies. So if you didn't learn before, this is your opportunity to learn now and start preparing if you make it through this. So since a lot of those products um, are on such high demand and limited supply, uh, I want to give you some things to consider while going the prepping route. Now, if you are alone or live alone, that's one thing, but ideally you do not want to do this alone. And you want to have people around you who are in the same mindset because if you have people with you who are not preppers and they think prepping is um, and for idiots or crackpots, as a lot of people call them, then you're just going to clash with those people. You can't work with those kind of people. And if you're going to face a situation like we're facing right now, you have to come to grips with the fact that those people who are on the outside that don't believe in what you're doing, there may come a point in time you will have to sever ties with those people because they're going to be a danger to what you're trying to accomplish. They'll be a danger to you. They are a liability. You don't want to do this alone. You want to do this with a group of people who are like-minded and know that you need to begin preparing. The lone wolf is destined to die eventually, regardless of their skill level. 
it's inevitable that they will eventually become overpowered or they'll succumb to injuries that they can't treat themselves. They will eventually die. So family group prepping is what you want to look at. If you live with family, you absolutely need to involve them for several reasons. And again, if they're not like-minded, you need to try to get them to become like-minded or you need to come to grips with the possibility that if things get really bad, you're going to have to send them out on their own and in order to ensure your survival and the survival of those people who are thinking like you are. Um, you don't, you not only do you want to get them involved, but you want to share with them the information that you require on this matter. One of the reasons I say you need knowledge first is because many people just simply lack survival skills. As a matter of fact, a whopping 80% of the population have no idea how to prepare. And then there's the rest, the rest of the people around them suffer because of it. So we, we need to really dig into this topic of prepping and educate and get other people to understanding how important it is to have a plan in place. As, I, as I've always said before, failing to plan is planning to fail. And you're listening to Snatrap Survive and Hemming Outdoors podcast. We'll be right back after these messages. Legacy Foods, the best value, best variety, and best taste in the industry. I like this one. Um, so some of the questions that you need to know, some of the things that you're going to need to go into this knowing. Do basics. Do you know how to build a fire? It's amazing how many people don't know how to build a fire. Uh, do you know how to use a knife as a multi-tool while keeping that knife sharp? That's, that's just a simple thing that you really need to know how to do. Uh, if you ran out of food, would you know how to forage for wild foods without poisoning yourself or your family? Uh, do you know how to hunt and trap? animals. That's something that you need to learn. And uh, it's something that all of us here at Snare Trap Survivor are willing to help out with. All you have to do is just ask. Uh, as a matter of fact, we may possibly start doing some online courses that's uh, better than nothing. An online course at least can give you an idea of what you need to be trying to prepare for out there if things do go bad. So if you uh, do you know how to hunt and trap? Do you know how to skin and prepare those animals uh, for consumption? Do you know how to, to store them? Uh, if there's no power or refrigeration, do you know how to store f certain food items? Do you know how to preserve meats by smoking or using salts? And uh, whether you own a firearm or not, do you know how to defend yourself against multiple invaders at one time? I mean, there are many things that you want to go over and gain more information about as you're prepping. It's a never-ending thing you can always learn. And um, the mention of weapons brings up another point. A lot of people out there think that the only thing they need to stockpile is weapons and ammunition. And I, I don't think I really need to explain why that's not a good idea. I think most of you at this point are realizing that there's more to it than that. Yes, having weapons and ammunition is a good thing, but if you just rely on that, then you're not doing yourself any good. 
you know, spending too much time on defense tends to take away from other uh, expenses or much needed prepping duties such as stocking supplies like food uh, you want to have the minimum but you don't want to go overboard giving yourself a false sense of security uh, most people I know uh, have guns and they have no skills so you're gonna have to be skilled with using that weapon um, because I'll be quite frankly um, as as the uh, I've heard one person put it when it comes to skills most of us around us are definitely not a Doc Holiday. And so with with that uh, comes to evaluating risk. Defending your home should not be the first thing on your list. It should be on your list, but it should not be the first thing on your list because people coming after you and your stuff is going to usually happen later on in the scenario when things get really bad. You need to prepare yourself for the greatest threats first. In other words, you need to prepare for a series of events as they will most likely occur. You need to consider the possibility of off-grid storing fuel, food, and water. Uh, the most common thing to a current event is power outage. Uh, do you have generators? Do you have uh, a way to keep things refrigerated? And if so, how well is your food, uh, your fuel supply? Uh, most people right now don't even have a full tank of gas in their car, let alone fuel stored back. Uh, do you know how to store gasoline? Because of its oxidization nature, it's only going to last around, what, six months. Uh, it's very difficult to store gasoline while waiting on something to happen. You have to rotate it. So the matter of rotation when storing gasoline, you want to establish an ample supply. Use the fuel up as you store it, replacing the oldest with the new. Uh, use the Use the oldest first then put new back into the stash and rotate it that way. Food and water rotation. The storage rotation applies with food and water as well. All that stuff needs to be constantly checked and rotated. Just like you were working in a grocery store, you need to consider it like a grocery store. Uh, if you were a manager at a grocery store, you would rotate it out and replace the old stuff with new stuff. Uh, consume the old stuff before it goes bad and uh, put new stuff back in. It's just really that simple. Um, you can't just throw the food on the shelves and just leave it there for emergency use only because you know some of those things are going to go bad. You need to make sure that the food that you're storing is food that you're actually going to eat and enjoy. Um, because it makes no sense to stock up on dry vegetation that you can't stand to put in your mouth. And the next thing you really have to consider uh, is where you're storing this stuff. You can't just throw it in a basement, you know, and forget about it. You need to know the temperature and humidity that you can store that food at, or you'll end up locking yourself away in a bunker with bad food and water. And water uh, brings up an important point as we're moving along here. Uh, you can't just take five-gallon jugs of water and put it on concrete. Uh, because that concrete's going to absorb chemicals that's been on that concrete. Uh, perhaps you spilled gasoline at some point on it, or maybe you spilled some sort of solvent, and you set your water jug down there in a plastic jug, it's going to absorb it. 
And uh, as it absorbs it over time, well, you could end up poisoning yourself. So you have to store that stuff up off of the ground. And if you can find and afford copper containers, copper containers is perfect for putting water into. Uh, because as we know, copper helps uh, kill off bacteria. And uh, do you know about stacking certain foods on top of each other? Some foods can't be stacked on top of the other. When vacuum sealing, jarring, canning food, you need to know how bacteria forms, how long certain foods last before expiration. You need to understand uh, that food labels with expiration dates are only due to regulation, so that doesn't necessarily mean all those foods are going to be bad or no longer good for human consumption. Some of those can last beyond the expiration date. Um, so you need to understand things like that. And speaking of food storage, do you know how much food you're going to need? Do you know how much water you're going to need? You need to plan how many people's in your household. Um, how long is this event going to take? How hard is it for me to go out and get fresh water? So how much do you need to have on a hand in order to make it through? I mean, food and water, you, you cannot be short on those two supplies. Otherwise, you're going to die. And if you don't die, you're going to suffer really, really bad until somebody, if you're lucky, comes along and finds you and helps you out. So it all really boils down to organization of your prep and supplies. You need to know exactly what you have, where it is located, when it goes bad, and how much of it that you need. For example, here during this coronavirus situation, we've been stocking up on beans, rice, um, freeze-dried vegetables. Breads are really hard to find. You have to travel almost into another town right now just to find bread. Uh, so you may need to be looking at the possibility of actually having to do without bread. Did you buy up flours and cornmeals to be able to make bread? Uh, we did that. We've got cornmeals and flours saved up here in order to be able to make bread, I have emergency food rations set aside in case things get really bad. We've got enough food that will at least keep us nourished. It won't keep us well fed, but it will at least keep us nourished and alive until we can manage to get out and find something else. If you run out of those foods, do you know what things you could go get in springtime? We've got plants coming up like poke salad. We have cattail. Cattail roots make an excellent potato substitute. Uh, you've got those. You've got a lot of wild turnips and greens out there, curly dock, things that you can go get. Do you know anything about that? If not, I suggest you really start looking into it and reading about it. And uh, if, again, if you've got questions, ask us. We'll be glad to help you out. And you're listening to Snatrap Survive and Hibbing Outdoors podcast. We'll be right back after these messages. You may not be a prepper now, but you will be. Whether the next disaster is man-made or wrought by Mother Nature, you need a plan. Wise Food Storage Emergency Gourmet Meals are made in the USA, delicious, easy to prepare, just add water, and packaged and proportioned perfectly, eliminating waste and creating a shelf life of up to 25 years. Wise Company Survival Foods. Find them now at Snare Trap Survive. www.snare-trap-survive.com 
Well, when we're talking about food storage, water storage, and everything else, you've heard FEMA talk about the rules of three. Well, let me explain to you the rules of three, as well as hoarding, are going to end up failing you, and, and, and I'll tell you why. Uh, three minutes without air. <laughs> you show me one person who can go three minutes without air, and I'll show you someone who can make millions of dollars. Uh, three minutes without shelter. Well, okay, let's look at that one for a minute. How long can you go for three hours without shelter? In the summertime, here where I'm at, yeah, you can probably go three hours without shelter. I'm almost certain you can. However, I've seen winter nights here on the Cumberland Plateau where you would be lucky to make it an hour without shelter. I have seen some really cold nights. Uh, get out into the Dakotas, uh, Montana, Washington. Um, you're not going to make it very long out there without shelter. So three hours without shelter really depends on where you're at. Is it really too cold or is it really too hot? Because if it gets too hot, three hours without shelter you could succumb to heat stroke um, three days without water that one's gonna be an iffy iffy it depends on what shape you're in how hydrated you are when the event occurs uh, your health condition the temperature around you uh, again cold will zap moisture out of you just as much as heat does so three days without water, hmm, that one's kind of iffy. 30 days, they say, without food. Well, no, that's not going to happen. If any of you watch Naked and Afraid, I think you can understand that at the 14-day mark, those people are going crazy, and they're losing a lot of weight at 14 days in. So 30 days without food, most elite special forces cannot go 30 days without food. So some people, now when you go to look in this, now the, the three days thing, just, just take the three, the, the prepper rules of three, just take them and throw them out. Don't even think about them. Don't even try to go by them because they're not going to work. They're going to fail you. You need to plan according to your needs, to your environment, to your physical health condition, and how many people is with you. Now when it goes to the hoarding part, a lot of people just go out and they buy all these supplies and they stick them in the basement or in the closet thinking that they're going to get to the organization part later and that stuff just sits there and sits there and sits there and most often it gets ruined. Some people think that, um, again, you should have the three days of food supply uh, and water, but that's, that's all you need because FEMA is going to come rescue you. Well, I'm sorry, they're not. At the very minimum, you need to have at least two weeks' worth of supplies on hand uh, with the mindset that nobody is going to come save you. And this is one of the reasons you cannot trust the authorities and their advice on prepping. Uh, they want you to have three days of, of food and water while they have underground cities and uh, bunkers with a decade worth of supplies. And so with that, you can't, with that said, you can't always listen, uh, to other preppers either. Uh, their personal needs are going to vary from yours. So again, prep for your conditions. Prepping, I've always said, depends on your environment, time of the year, and your personal needs. An example 
would be prescription drugs um, because not stocking up on those could mean that you're going to have to stop cold turkey. Can you stop cold turkey or are you even willing, depending on what kind of medications you're on? Think of all the people out there that have things like diabetes. And as I understand it, you can't make insulin at home. So you need to be stocked up on those and have enough supply for your fam you or your family members. And uh, medication this is probably one of the most important aspects. So no matter how much prepping you do, you will eventually die without proper medication for certain problems. So do you know what type of plants can be used as medicines if you don't have them? Uh, that's something that you may want to be looking into. Um, some people, they start gathering up the supplies based on fear. That's the, the hoarding part that's going to hurt you as well. They stock up based on fear and they make a big mistake because that just turns into hoarding. And the last thing you want to do is become a fanatic and end up with a bunch of junk that you don't need. Hoarding also becomes very cluttered. You need to keep your storage areas clear uh, and your food supplies um, organized so that they won't go bad. You need to have a balance between all of these things because prepping is not something that you do in a matter of days, weeks, or months. We, we are seeing right now how trying to prepare in a matter of days weeks or months how that is failing horribly across America. It should be part of your lifestyle and you should be doing it continuously but don't let it consume you unless it's a fun hobby that you enjoy doing because if it consumes you it becomes hoarding and if you don't prepare and you panic then it becomes hoarding. Uh, and prepping for most people is a hobby, and you can learn a lot about yourself in the certain items that you gather. Prepping should be enjoyable and educational. It shouldn't be a grueling task, uh, because if it becomes a grueling task, then you suffer the other problem, and that's understocking, not getting the things that you need. Uh, you also need to understand how to use your supplies. There are people out there that go out and buy all this equipment, they store it away and they have no idea how to use most of those supplies. You need to go out and practice with the things that you buy. You need to ensure that you didn't leave anything out um, and that you can actually do what you have learned. You need to practice it. It'll do you no good, like for example, to prep for guns if you don't know how they work. If you can't uh, disassemble them, clean them, and fire them properly. They're not going to do you any good. The same goes for trapping and snaring su supplies. You need to understand how to use them. You need to know with guns, for example, different types of ammunition, how to make bullets if you run out. Um, do you know uh, how those food gathering tools works, like the Duke 110 trap, the body grip traps? They're excellent survival traps. Do you know how to use it? What about how to set snares properly? You need to know how to do that. There's a lot of things that you have to ask yourself. And the whole point I'm trying to make in this podcast is, if you haven't learned to do this before, I think you're seeing the need to learn how to do it now. And I think America is going to wake up and realize that they failed the first test. The question is, are they going to fail the second one? 
Other things that you need to consider are personal protection items. Like right now, we are seeing a very, very, very high demand for masks and bodysuits and gloves and alcohol. And there's tons of people out there who don't have that stuff on hand. I have sitting right here beside me. I'll see if you can hear it. I don't know if you can hear that shaking or not, but alcohol. I've got it sitting right here with me. Um, put in my bug out bag and uh, I'm ready. I can, I can clean my hands. Uh, and it's been sitting here for a long time. Uh, so you need to consider personal protective items that you're going to need in your prepping supplies. It's not just food and water and guns. You're going to need personal protection as well. Do you know how to properly use those items in case of infectious disease? Uh, you have to make sure everything fits good. What about garbage disposal? Um, how are you going to deal with human waste if uh, water is shut down, if the sewer systems are no longer working, and the garbage guys are not coming by to pick up all the garbage you're generating? Uh, what are you going to do with it? Because without proper waste management, then you end up spreading disease and making yourself sick and the people around you are sick or even worse, dead. Um, then you get into the, the complacent prepper, and I think that's the ones that are panic buying out there right now. The complacent prepper um, or the um, individuals who are just sim simply in apathy and not preparing at all. You don't want to spend too much time, if you're a prepper, you don't want to spend too much time focusing on one item and stocking that one item because it's going to slow down the process of stocking other items and it's going to eventually make you lazy. And when you get lazy, then the needful things are going to get neglected, like your health, uh, the items that you need. Again, and so physical preparation, that's also something you need to incorporate into your prepping um, plans because what if you have to move out a long distance on foot? Can you do it? Uh, physical fitness could be a very big factor in your preparations. Can your body go for longer periods without food if you're required to do it? Um, your body has a lot of different requirements at different levels of physical state, so that's something that's extremely critical you need to think about. And uh, speaking of fitness, and I mentioned this earlier in the podcast about the special forces not being able to go 30 days without food. Uh, speaking of physical fitnesses, uh, something that was written by uh, one of our authors a while back in 1988 when special, tier, uh, special operations soldiers, these were tier one special operations soldiers, uh, they entered into Central America to conduct reconnaissance and uh, begin planning on Operation Just Cause, and in just a matter of few hours, they began suffering heat casualties, it's dehydration and heat stroke. And yes, you heard that right. The most physically fit and well-trained warriors in the world got dehydrated in just a few hours. And most of the people out there listening right now, including myself, come nowhere even a quarter of the way close to being as physically fit as these men were. So that's something you definitely need to think about. 
and you're listening to Snare Trap Survive and Him and Outdoors podcast. We'll be right back after these messages. Legacy Foods, the best value, best variety, and best taste in the industry. I like this one. Now, one of the last things I want to go over before we close this out, and I hope as I've been talking, you're kind of starting to realize the need to begin preparing yourself and if you make it through this scenario start preparing for the next one because something is going to happen again and if we've already failed now it is going to happen again and I'm just wondering how many people's going to heed this warning and get ready for it next time it comes around one of the last things you want to do in prepping and planning is to just shut up <laughs> Shut up. Don't tell everybody what you have. Don't tell everybody where you have it. Don't brag about the things you've got. I've heard people say, oh, I've got a thousand rounds of ammunition at my house and one man guarding it. Well, if I need a thousand rounds of ammunition, thank you, Joe. I know where it's at now. I'll bring my 20 guys and take it from you. So, if you're prepping and you have a lot of stuff stored up, just shut up. Don't tell everybody. Um, it really comes down to planning things out well, planning out your escape routes, your destinations, having several locations for your supplies if possible, and knowing what to do in order of procedure and keeping your mouth shut and not letting people know where you have your stuff at. You ever heard the old uh, the old scenario, don't let people know where your goats are? <laughs> that's, uh, that's pretty much what we're talking about here. These, those, those people that I'm talking about that blab or the one, they, they may be preppers and they may be really good preppers, but they break the most monumental rule and that's not keeping their mouth shut. People get ahead of themselves and they start babbling to the neighbors about what they've got in stock and it's a huge mistake because it paints a target on you, your family, and your prepping group. Uh, it kind of reminds you of the old Twilight Zone episode where this doctor was having dinner with his neighbors when all of a sudden they were warned about the impending missile attack. And everybody started to panic. And as it turns out, the old doctor had a bunker in his basement and everybody knew about it. So everybody shows up at his bunker, which is only designed for a few people. And they're demanding to get in and all hell breaks loose. Uh, so at the end of the day, and of course they, they come to find out, at, you know, after all the violence and after really making total asses of themselves, that it comes out to be a false alarm. And I think here in America, when this is over, a lot of people's going to look back and realize how big of an ass they were buying up toilet paper, panic buying, and causing other people to do without, uh, and overstocking. They're going to have a lot of stuff that they've overstocked on that they can't use, and probably going to be a lot of people have stuff that's going to go bad. So the joke's on them. So I think at the end of the day... We cannot let fear become a single source or motivation for prepping for disaster. And we cannot let our guard down and put our complete confidence in the government or others 
because fear is what will drive all of the other people out there against you. It will cause them to make rational and rash decisions that could very well mean the end of the well-being for you, your prepping group, and your family. So make sure you realize and understand those basic things that we have talked about. The, do, the fact that you need to make sure apathy is erased from your mind. You have some concern, but you're not going to be fearful. That way you can make logical, rational decisions. Uh, and most of all, looking at what's going on right now in America, looking at the panic buying, I think we need to uh, understand the reality of humanity. Because many Americans have failed this first test by letting fear and panic take over and by letting apathy be the cause of this fear and panic. Most of the people you see prepping right now are the very people who laughed about prepping two months ago. All the people who said that many of us Americans did not need AR-15s went out and was panic buying AR-15s like candy. People who said that guns we did not need guns. We're panicking and lining up at the stores buying guns. As I'm speaking right now, you cannot go online and find a gun. Every single place is sold out. So these were the people who had apathy to begin with. And then apathy, once a realization set in, became fear and panic. And many Americans just absolutely failed. And thousands of other people were left without supplies because of the panic buyers. I have seen elderly who cannot find bread, milk, eggs, or toilet paper. Which brings me to a couple of points here I want to make in the last. Toilet paper. You know, <clears throat> I don't know if you're aware of it, but newspapers, you see newspapers every day, and that makes an excellent toilet paper. And all the money spent on hoarding up these toilet paper they could have used to buy supplies. And I just don't understand that one. Why does that happen? That's something that came out on social media. You've seen people scrambling to buy toilet paper. And everybody else became afraid they weren't going to get toilet paper. So they went to buying toilet paper. This is something that is called symbiotic behavior. Symbiotic behavior is when a handful of people does something and it begins to spread to all the other people. And social media was one of the primary reasons for this happening. People listened to what was going on on social media and they began panicking. And that's why you cannot find toilet paper or bread sitting on the shelves. Uh, it has to be... The toilet paper thing is the biggest joke right now among preppers to date, ever in history. Why would you panic to buy toilet paper? It can't nourish you. Um, and it happened, like I said, because of the social media. Take, for example, the Tide Pod Challenge, where just a few people did it, and then the next thing you know, it become a global problem. The same thing applies for this coronavirus 
situation. So if you're listening to this, if you've held on this long, and we're getting ready to wrap it up, I hope you learned a lesson, and I hope you, first and foremost, do not have apathy. You need to be concerned about what can happen, but do not have fear. Don't be so fearful of what's going to happen that you go out and start mass buying and, and panic buying and causing other people around you to suffer. Because in the end, whether we prep or not, humanity is all that we have left. And in closing, I'd like to make this clear that there are a lot of people out there who are in a greater need than you. And this is always, always the case. So after listening to this, spread the word and try to practice this yourself. Take into consideration all those other people, those elderly people who are trying to go shopping and they can't find the things they need. Because in the end, if we cannot prep and maintain our humanity, what is the need for our survival? And this is Roger with Snare Trap Survive, Human Outdoors. Thank you for listening.